Good morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 11. I'm going to learn about prayer this morning. And what's nice is Jesus is going to teach. We're going to be able to eavesdrop on one of the lessons that the disciples had. Isn't that cool? Somebody took such good notes when Jesus taught this particular class that we get to relearn it word for word just the way he taught it. Isn't that cool? Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass... As he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Okay, I hope you took good notes while Jesus was teaching there. Now we get to spend the better part of 45 minutes going over what He taught. It's uh, interesting to me, I don't know if you noticed at the beginning there, it says it came to pass as He was praying that when he finished, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why do you think the disciple asked that? Well, I think it was because when he heard Jesus pray, (laughs) I think he was a little inspired. You know, he said, man, I don't pray like that. Can you imagine? You know, I think if we as believers heard Jesus pray, I think it would change our lives and challenge us in our prayer life. So I think if you heard the disciple ask the Lord, it would have sounded like, Lord, teach us to pray like you. Now, 
Uh, just a, a word here. He, he says in verse 2, when he begins to teach them, he says, when you pray, say. And then the words that he says have been repeated by well-meaning people for centuries, taking Jesus literally, thinking that when they pray, they have to say only these words. In fact, it's called the Lord's Prayer. Actually, that's a mistake right away. It's the disciples' prayer, isn't it? But Jesus wasn't saying, when you pray, always say just these words that I'm about to tell you. He was giving them a sample, an example of of how to pray. That's all. By the way, he already taught something just in in, uh, these few words. You know what it was? Be brief. (laughs) You notice how short the prayer is? You can read it in less than 30 seconds. And yet there's a lot in here. Jesus is, is saying here, look, talk to God the way you talk to people. That's all. It's amazing. You know, I've heard people pray over the years, particularly, uh, excuse me, some guy will get up and he'll preach a sermon. He's supposed to be praying, but you can tell when this guy is talking, he's speaking for the benefit of the people there. He's talking to them. You ever heard something like that? You know, Jesus jumps on that in, in the rest of the gospel. He says, don't do that. That's what the Pharisees do. They think because of the multitude of their words, they're going to be heard. You know what the implication of what Jesus said there is? They're not going to be heard. God doesn't want to hear that stuff. When you talk to God, talk to him the way you talk to a person. You know why? Because he is. You know, it's funny. I think partly because we use another word for talking to God. We call it prayer. Therefore, we think somehow that the speech somehow has to be you know, set in a a different setting somehow. Now, obviously, God is different from uh, normal people. Nevertheless, he is a person. And in fact, Jesus begins by reminding us in his sample here that he is what? Our father. So speak to him that way. As your father. So there already, just with a few words, we can learn several things from the Lord here. You know, it's, it's funny. There are some uh, religions that have a thing called a book of common prayer. You ever heard of that? And in this book of common prayer, uh, there, they have an index, <clears throat> and you can turn and get a prayer for any occasion. I mean anything. You know, you look it up in the back, greeting a friend, saying goodbye to a friend, praying for your meal. The funny thing is that the prayer for the meal, I've always kind of chuckled at it because it's something along the lines of, Lord, make us thankful for our food. (laughs) God doesn't want to have to make you thankful. He wants you to be thankful. (laughs) But uh, that's, that's that mindset of having a form prayer. God, Jesus is not teaching that here. He wants it to be spontaneous. Just like when you talk to someone, you know, Imagine, let's imagine you had a friend over to your house and instead of just talking like normal, like I'm speaking right now, um, you both whipped out your iPhones or your cell phones and you have these lists, you know, of canned uh, 
statements and expressions, you know. And you carry on your conversation by just going down the list and being, you know, you send the guy a little blurb and he finds a response and sends it back. Can you imagine? Don't do that with God. Talk to him. Listen, if you know the Lord, he's your father. Do you realize what a tremendous privilege that is? I've had several people I've seen who first got, when they got saved and it suddenly dawned on them that when they talk to God, they're talking to their father and they can address him as such. It's a, it's a, a wonderful, thrilling experience to really grasp that for the first time. When you say that, savor that word, father. You know, they couldn't do that in the Old Testament. It's only as members of the church, the body of Christ, that we are ad- adopted. And by the way, it, it's so cool. I always think this is wonderful. We're children of God as believers, right? You wonder how w- wonderful that is? What, is, what does John say? We, we said it to music. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on, on us that we should be called the sons of God. He, he's, he's so excited. He says, what kind of love is this? that now we're the children of God. I I can't grasp it. It's too wonderful. I think it's so great that in making us children, God made us his children two ways. First, we're born into the family. And then if that weren't enough, he adopted us on top of that. Isn't that cool? You know, it's like, you want to know how much you're my child? You're doubly my child. Okay, so as I said, the, uh, the other aspect here is that it's short and simple. Say about 60 words. Uh, just, just to give you an example of what might have inspired this disciple to, answer the, to ask this question, look over at chapter 10, verse 21. <clears throat> we, uh, we saw this a couple of weeks ago. It was when the Lord Jesus had sent out the 70, you remember, And they came back all excited. And what's neat is Jesus got excited as he saw these simple 70 nobodies going out and telling people about God. And as he saw this marvelous plan of God, instead of using, you know, the rich and the mighty and the wise and the educated, just ordinary folks to reach the world for him, Jesus got so excited, it says in verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. It's the only place it says in the, in the uh, Gospels there that he did that. It's saying he got excited. But what I wanted you to notice is uh, he had just talked to the disciples. Verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And then in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good to you, to, uh, to your sight, in your sight. <clears throat> and then he turns to the disciples. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father. And he resumes talking to the disciples. I like this because Jesus is talking, and then he talks to God. Because he's there. Do you understand? You know, he's the other member of the conversation. He's talking to the disciples. Something hits them. I'm just so thankful, Father, for what you're doing. Father, thank you for what you're doing. This is wonderful. 
And then he resumes talking to the disciples. Isn't that great? That's the way it should be for us. You know? A lot, a lot of people uh, in the world <clears throat> think you have to go to a special building, you know, to pray to God. Or, you know, you have to have someone there to help you pray. Or uh, you, you have to say certain words. You know, you turn to the Book of Common Prayer and you repeat a prayer or something. No. Anytime, anywhere. About anything. Isn't, isn't that great? How often do we avail ourselves of it? Not enough. I think it's a wonderful uh, one verse. It, you could, it's a prayer because he's talking to God. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. You know? And, he, and he's, he's speaking from the heart. He, he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. It's, it's, as Jesus sees this, he loves what, what God is doing. He's excited about it. And I like the way he ends it. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. You know why it's so wonderful? Because you decided to do it. That's great. I love that. Okay. So uh, back here to chapter 11, verse 2. So Jesus begins with what we should address our father as. Father. The first one to hear uh, this wonderful phrase, by the way, you know who it was? It was Mary Magdalene. Resurrection morning. Remember, Jesus said, I ascend to my father and your father. That's the first time. Very plainly. And then, of course, uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It sets the tone, really, for the rest of the prayer. You know, as I'm thinking that, as I'm, I'm speaking to my father, Father, you know, it, it really uh, sets the mood, really, for the rest of the, the words that I say. <clears throat> uh, next, Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Well, we don't use that word too much anymore hallowed i don't i don't think i use that much in my everyday language it just simply means uh reverence respected that's all um he's our father and yet he's still god he's holy he's perfect and there's a certain amount of respect and it's good to express that and that's what jesus is doing here he's expressing his respect for his father and we should too Next, this is wonderful. Here's the first request, prayer request. See what it is? Your kingdom come. How often do you pray that? You know, when you just any prayer, how often do you say, Lord, I wish you'd come right now. I am so ready. Make it now, Lord. Your kingdom come. It's time. Just saying the words and thinking about it, doesn't it make you more anxious and ready? That's good. Gets me in a good attitude of prayer. You know? Right mindset. Setting my mind on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, but ready to come back any moment. (laughs) 
Your kingdom come. That's good. And then in keeping with that, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It will be when his kingdom comes. But our heart's desire should be that, you know. Listen, as long as Jesus is not ruling, and he's, he's not uh, the immediate ruler over the world right now, he says that about the devil. He's the prince of this world. God is over all, but the, the, what should I say? The right state of things will be when Jesus is here physically, literally ruling over the earth. That's, what can I say? That's the right way. That's the way things should be. His will being done. Here on earth, as it is in heaven. And we should yearn uh, for that. And, and by the way, um, as I said, this is, he didn't mean for us to repeat these words every time we pray. But certainly the thoughts uh, are valid to pray whenever. But only if you mean it. You know, don't just say the words. Listen, when Jesus says these things, he means it from the heart. It's the overflow of his heart. So if I'm going to say, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I should be thinking about number one. Your will be done in my life. As it is in heaven. You see. You think Jesus was thinking that? Yeah, we know it. He said it later, didn't he? In Gethsemane. Think about those words and say them from the heart. By the way. It's a great uh, it's a great way to get ready to ask God for things, isn't it? If you have said from the heart and meant it, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, now I'm in the right frame of mind to ask God for direction and, and for help in my life. You see. It's not just saying the words, it's meaning it from the heart. Okay, finally, we have the first personal request here. It's in verse 3. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now, again, we use the word where I work. We call it a template. This is a template of a prayer. You know, we can ask for more than just daily bread, obviously. Jesus is just giving an example. But he's teaching us something here also by this personal request. Because he says, he doesn't say, uh, Father, give me a lifetime supply of bread right now. You know? Give me a job that I know I'm gonna la- that's going to last until I, don't, uh, I can retire. You know? I want to be fixed right now. I don't have to think about the future. We'd like to ask that, you know? But you see, he, he wants us, as his children... To be dependent on Him. And that's what we're expressing when we say this. Give me day by day, just as I need for that day, my daily bread. That's why Jesus says it that way. Now, as I said, can't we ask for other things? Well, of course. Uh, It's situation dependent. Just look at the prayers of Jesus. Uh, That's a great study, by the way, the prayers of Jesus in the Gospels. He asks for many things. He he uh, gives God thanks for many things. They're various. Whatever's on your heart, that's the whole point. What would you say to your best friend? Hopefully anything. Right? <laughs> I think it's that way with God. The nice thing is you don't have to try to hide anything because he already knows everything about you anyway. 
You know? Talk with him. Discuss things with him. I'm sure many believers here know about the old acronym ACTS. How many have heard of that as applied to prayer? Okay, so not everybody has. ACTS, Acts, you know, the book of Acts. Uh, there are some very dogmatic about it. They say, well, when you pray, you better make sure that you do Acts or it's not a valid prayer. You know, has to have A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, S, supplication. And some guy said, no, no, that's not right. It should be cats. You know, you should confess before you adore. Well, be careful, okay? That's not true. The prayer we saw of Jesus, the little one-word arrow that he shot up earlier, it was simply thanksgiving. You know? When, you, when, when your heart just overflows, just thank God. You don't have, it doesn't have to be confession or supplication. Just thank the, thank the Lord right there for whatever you're thankful for. Uh, I'd love to do a study on the prayers of the Lord Jesus in the Gospels in light of this. Let me just mention a few. We already saw the one in chapter 10. We saw earlier in chapter 6, remember, he prayed all night before choosing the 12. Wouldn't it have been interesting to, to just eavesdrop a whole night? He didn't run out of things to say. Isn't that interesting? What do you think he prayed? Probably for guidance on who would be the 12. Huh? I think he spent a lot of time praying for the men. You know? Uh, he would have known the men by then. He would have known their weaknesses. I think he would have prayed like he did for, he prayed for Peter later because he told him. He said, I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And then he goes on to say wonderful words. He says, when you have returned. In other words, I'm telling you, you're going to have trouble, Peter, but it's going to work out. You're going to return. When you have returned, strengthen your brethren. He knew about Peter. He knew about his weaknesses. He knew about all of them. All night he prayed, I believe, for them. Uh, a wonderful prayer, probably the best known of the Lord, of course, is in John 17. It's a whole chapter of prayer. One of the deepest passages in the Bible. Read it sometime. What's interesting about that is uh, their supplication. He prays for himself. He prays for the disciples. Interestingly, he prays for you and me. He prays for those who will believe through their word. Isn't that cool? Jesus is praying. He's praying for you right now, by the way. He's, he's an intercessor right now, among other things. So he prays for But he prayed for you way back there. So there was S, there was supplication in that prayer. But there was not really something you'd call uh, A or T, adoration or thanksgiving. You could kind of push it. In, in fact, by the way, when Jesus prays, there can't be any C. Confession, right? He's sinless. But there is a C when Jesus prays, and it's all over John 17. Look at it. You know what it is? It's conversation. He just talks to God. He just, he, he's, if you read it, he just says things to the Father. You know, we, we didn't make room for that in our uh, ACTS. But yeah, it's just a further illustration. Prayer is simply talking to your Father. Whatever's on your heart. Study the prayers of Paul. The prayers of David. Look at the Psalms. 
We, they're songs, of course, but they're also prayers. What a prayer life that guy had. Okay, and then in verse 4, now we get to the big C, confession. And of course, Jesus wouldn't pray this, but he says, when you pray, pray this. And again, when he includes confession, he teaches us something. Notice how he says it. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And it's obvious what he's saying. He's saying the forgiveness of our Father to us is dependent on our forgiving other people. And he says that elsewhere, doesn't he? He says, if you don't forgive your brother, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So, man, that's pretty serious business. If I'm going around with a grievance against a brother and sister and I haven't let go of it, God hasn't forgiven me. And if he hasn't forgiven me, that means there's something between me and my father, isn't there? You know what it's like in a family when the air is thick? When there's something between the child and the parent? How's life? It's not pleasant, is it? How's the communication? It's terrible. There isn't any. Guess what? It's that way with our father. So what does that say? What is Jesus telling us here? Listen. If you've got something against your brother and you haven't forgiven them, you better take care of that right away. If you want to have a clear channel to your heavenly father and have him not only forgive you, but listen to you when you talk. Okay, and then finally, he says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, be careful. Um, He's not saying here, oh, man, God led me to temptation and I sinned last week. I hope he doesn't do that again this week. And I don't have to talk off the top of my head. I can use scripture to confirm that to you. What does it say in James? God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Is that pretty clear? Okay. What Jesus is saying here, pray that God will uh, protect me from falling into temptation. You know, keep me away from areas that he knows I'm weak in. That's a valid prayer. You know, but still the choice is going to be mine. Okay, if the opportunity does present itself, that's he's not to blame for my sin. Okay, so it's valid to ask God to minimize the opportunities. That's that's what uh, the prayer is about here. And then uh, after this very brief example, the Lord then uses two parables to teach about prayer and the interesting thing is now of all the parables he could have chosen these two are encouragements for us to pray do you understand now why would he do that one of them is basically telling us that god wants to give us things why would he teach us that why would he stress that you know why because we tend to think he doesn't we, we too often think God wants to hold back on us. Otherwise, he wouldn't teach the parable. <laughs> He's addressing a problem in our, in our thinking, you see. And the other is that, listen, when God gives us things, they're always good. Okay? Why did he teach that? We should know that. Don't we always all the time think that anything God gives me is going to be good? <laughs> 
uh-uh, or he wouldn't have taught the lesson. That's the whole point. Okay, so the first one, of course, um, we'll read it again here. He said to them, verse 5, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? You know, I don't know if you ever knocked on anybody's door at midnight asking them for bread. But uh, you can imagine what your neighbor would think if you tried to do that sometime, right? I think you'd get a similar reaction from here. You'd hear a voice from inside, you know, get out of here. You know, we're all in bed now. Uh, here's the here's the punchline, verse 8. Jesus says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. Now, that's interesting. Friendship only goes so far sometimes. When I'm warm and toasty in my bed, you know, friendship stops. That's what Jesus is saying. Yet, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Why? To get rid of him. But that's interesting. Now, listen, Jesus is not giving us his parable to try to give us a picture of what our Heavenly Father is like. Okay, get, let's get that clear. Several times he, he uses examples from everyday life to show as a contrast that if we as people can give in and give things, well... Listen, God, who loves you, in fact, loves you so much he gave his son for you. I think he might want to uh, tend to give in as well. You understand? He's teaching by contrast. And so here you have uh, the scenario of a guy who's uh, tucked in bed. And he tells about the unjust judge elsewhere, remember, with the widow that keeps coming to him saying, you know, help me in my cause. And the judge says, get out of here, get out of here. And she just keeps coming him coming to him and the judge says finally look she's going to wear me out fine just whatever you need i'll give it to you again he's showing if we do that as people how much more in fact he uses those words much more in the second parable will god who loves us help us in fact um verse 13 is that verse we'll just jump it there if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, it's by contrast. Not, not exactly flattering words, if you being evil. But it's true. If you and I, being evil, know how to uh, give good things. By the way, did you notice? He didn't say, if you being evil, always give good things. You see what He said? If you being evil, know how... To give good things. In other words, we don't always do it. <laughs> Even as parents. You know, sometimes it's the kid's fault. You know, I want it now. Daddy, I want it now. Please, I want it now. You know, Wah! and the parent will give in. And it's not the best thing for the kid, but it shuts them up. Right? Well, that's not good. Praise God, you know. He's not like that. Unless we scream enough. You have to be careful. It says, if you, if you whine enough to God in the Old Testament, it says, if you scream loud enough, He'll give it to you and send with it, what? Leanness of soul. 
So be careful. But uh, here it says, look, if, if a parent who's evil can do good things for their kids, I think your heavenly father, God, probably knows how to do it and prob- probably will do it. He says, much more. There's a wonderful chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 5, where that's a key phrase, much more, much more, much more. It's, it occurs five or six times. And the argument in Romans 5 is this. Look, if you were, when you were a sinner, God loved you, gave his son for you, and made you his child, how much more, now that you're his child, will he do good things for you? Will he break blessings down into, under your top of your head until you drown in them? You follow that? If when you were sinners, God loved you and, and saved you and adopted you, man, now that you're his child, think of how good he's going to be to you. Isn't that cool? How much more? What's really cool about that is, I didn't do anything. Do you understand? I sinned. I trusted Christ. And now God makes me his child, puts me into the family of God, and now all of a sudden things get a lot better. I didn't do anything. You know, he did it all. How much more? That's the kind of father we're praying to. What does he say? Listen, in Romans 8. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us, what? All things. What does that include? No, no, let me make it easier. What does that not include? Yeah, all things. Praise the Lord. And so here in the case of this um, sinful human, in the case of the bread and his neighbor knocking, uh, he says he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, what, as I said, Jesus is not teaching about the character of God here, that God is like this kind of, you know, you got to pull teeth. But it's contrast. What you need to compare to that phrase, give him as much as he needs, is Ephesians 3.20. Okay? This is the way God is. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the way your heavenly father gives. Now, I just said that verse and it went like that. And you kind of got a little bit of it as it went by, but you missed most of it. You know what I like to do with that verse? There's a few verses in the Bible where I just can't, I read them and I don't get them. So what you do is turn to Ephesians 3.20. And I'll show you what you, what you do. <clears throat> if you've never done this, if you don't want to mark up your Bible, do it uh, someplace at home on an old copy or on a piece of paper or something. Ephesians 3.20. Put a number by some of the words. Okay? If you don't want to mark up your Bible here, don't do it. But just follow along as I talk. You'd put a one by the word ask. A two by the word all. A three by the word think. 
a four by the word above, a five by abundantly, and six by exceedingly. Now, why are we doing that? It's because we're going to put this verse together piece by piece so we can better understand what it's saying. And the way you do it is you put it's it's like a kid with building blocks, you know, a Lego set. Step one, step two. Okay, this is the way you put this verse together in the order I just said. So we begin with number one, the word ask. So in the simplest thought here, this verse is saying he is able to do what we ask. Now, just stop and think about that, okay? Isn't that great? God is able to do what we ask Him. Praise God! Right? Not many people are excited. Man, I am. At least I'm excited. Okay. You know, know, this is how you meditate on the Word of God. You chew on that a while. He's able to do what I ask. Praise the Lord. Now we add a word. Number two, all. He is able to do all that I ask. Isn't that great? Anything I, anything I ask, He can do it. Wow. You know anybody like that besides God? Okay, number three, think. All right? He is able to do all that I ask. Or think. <laughs> we're, getting a, we're getting a little beyond what we're used to here. In other words, anything I can ask, he can do it. Anything. But then the things that I don't ask, I just think, wouldn't it be nice? He can do that too. The things that I think, no, no, that he, he, he'd never do that. You know? I can't ask him that. What does it say? He can do all that I ask or even just think. Kind of makes you want to ask for more, doesn't it? You know, stop thinking about it. We're not done. The fourth word is above. Says he is able to do above all that we ask or think. Oh, man, that's that's great. You know, you know what that's saying? Go ahead, everybody in the world, anything they might have ever asked of God or thought but didn't ask, if they'd asked, they wouldn't have exhausted God. There was still some left over because he can do more than that. This is um, this is called untapped resources. Okay, more than we can ask or think. But wait a minute. He's not done there. In case you think, well, we're right near the edge. Number five, abundantly. He is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. Oh, man. That's saying we haven't even scratched the surface with God. You know that? You know, as believers, when we get, when we get to heaven and we see him and we see what it's like, we're going to realize, oh, man. All the things that could have happened that didn't. You know? Abundantly above all that we ask or think. And you think, okay, now he's run out of words. You, you can't add to that. My, my, my brain is, you know, pounding already. But he, he, uh, he goes further. Number six. 
Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I just blew a fuse. Okay. I think this verse is here to encourage us. Okay. Ask. And that's why Jesus proceeds to say, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Yeah. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. And that's also why it says in James, you do not have because why? You do not ask. Yeah. Boy, is that ever a rebuke to me? You know, this says so many things. First of all, it says plainly that prayer does work. Okay. You know, people say, well, you know, God knows what I want in advance even before I ask it. So why even bother asking? Because he tells me to. (laughs) And this also clearly says, if I don't ask, he won't do it. So there's like a default setting, you know. And so the way this works, you say, well, wait a minute, that's going to change God's plan. Well, no. God is in control of all things. And he's going to work out his great plan of bringing the world to a conclusion, exposing sin for what it is, and his son coming and reigning rightfully over the earth. Okay? But now in your life, and in my life, I can... Achieve God's best or settle for second best or third best. It's up to me. And a lot of that hinges on my prayer life. It's that simple. Because he says there are things I I don't have because I didn't ask. You know, as I look back, I wonder, what did I miss? So ask. The purpose of these parables is to remove our excuse for not asking. That's, that's why Jesus is telling these. Okay. Uh, and then the, the second one, 11 through 13, again, is not a, a, a type of God, the evil parent, but it's a contrast. If we, being evil, know how to give good things, then I think we can conclude that God knows how to do it. And I'm sure you're wondering... When he says at the end there, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Does that mean we have to ask for the Holy Spirit? Well, obviously not. Uh, tons of verses clearly indicate. We just read them in, in uh, Romans 8, for example, uh, that if you don't have the spirit of God, you're not his. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1, the moment we believed. He's talking to people here who are not yet indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is before the church. The Holy Spirit came and went. On individuals. You see that in the Old Testament with David and others and Saul and so on. But he, what he's saying is you may go around giving eggs and loaves of bread and fish to your kids. God gives a lot bigger things than eggs and fish and, and uh, whatever the other was bread. The Holy Spirit. How's that? The third person of the Godhead. In other words, listen, he gives you God, the Holy Spirit, the person of God. Anything else you might ask is short of that is the idea. You see. 
It's wonderful. In fact, in Romans 8, he talks about uh, that God has already given us the two greatest, I don't want to say things, gifts he could have given. His son, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. Wow. The second and third persons of the Godhead. I'm staggered. We can't, we can't comprehend that. But the point is, uh, he's already emptied heaven in giving. So we can, we can conclude that he's not stingy. Okay. So he's the perfect father. Think of it. He can do anything. He wants to give us everything that is good. He will give us everything that's good when we ask for it. Ask and you shall receive. All right. I want you to just let your mind kind of uh, wander here for a moment. What I mean is I want you to imagine the picture here. Imagine that there's a great person, a famous person, some wealthy person, someone who's very powerful. You've met them. And they've taken a liking to you. Okay. Now, I'm not talking about God right now. Just imagine there's some person like this, you know, just pick anybody. And imagine that this person said to you. You know, I've really taken a liking to you. So I want you to know that my door is always open. Okay? Come see me and talk to me whenever you feel the need. Don't hesitate because you think it's too trivial. I want to share everything that concerns you. Because I really do care for you. Imagine this great person talking to you like that. I'll drop whatever I'm doing. I'll have my secretary cancel all my appointments. Take as long as you need. I won't pressure you to hurry. Feel free to talk to me about anything, no matter what the issue. I promise to listen because I'm interested in you. I want to do everything possible to make you happy and successful. If it's just advice you want, I have a vast experience and will help you the best I can. And I want you to feel free to ask me for anything. Anything. Everything I own and everything within my power is at your disposal. Now imagine someone has said that to you and can back it up. I think you and I would be spending a little time at their place, don't you? Well, listen, you don't have to imagine it, okay? It's true. It's real. And it's better than what I just said, okay? The one that has already said this to you right here. He wrote it to you. He's not just wise. He can tell you the best decision in every situation, in every area of life. You know, the best people are specialists. You know, they know about business or they know about uh, farming or they know about uh, family life or whatever. And I hate to say it, half the time they're wrong anyway. 
Okay? Listen, this one who's already said this to you, he's so wise, he knows the best decision in every single situation. I don't care what the field is. And he's not just rich. (laughs) He owns everything. He owns all the billionaires and everything they have. You realize that? Do you realize that everything in the universe is at the disposal of your heavenly father and he does with it whatever he wants and nobody can stop him? And he doesn't just have influence. He has all power. Think of that. And the most amazing thing in the midst of all of this is he loves you. And I don't mean he just loves you. He loves you like nobody's business. He loves you so much. He gave his son for you. He's adopted you as his child. And he asks you to call him father. The invitation is there. It's just up to us now to take him up on it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this incredible privilege we have of prayer. Lord, we realize that it was purchased by you for us at an infinite cost. And if we think about all that you have already given us in Christ, Lord, what is left? What could we ask for? And so, Father, as we come to you now as your children and Uh, recognize this incredible privilege and right that we have. Lord, we, we feel like this isn't the time to be asking you for things for ourselves, but for help in the few brief days we have here to show you how much we love you and to thank you and to let the world know what a great God you are. So that's what we want to ask for, Lord. We want to ask for you before we finally come into the good of all the things that you have already given us in Christ. Help us, we pray, in his precious name. Amen.